right. That, so, that was a new laugh from Matt. I was trying to talk and lo- laugh, but I don't know what happened. <laughs> Hi friends, welcome to the 161 Podcast. This is episode three. I'm Matt Miller and in the room today we have Jared. Say hi, Jared. Hey. We have Andy. Yo. And we have Steph. Yay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what, was that? what was that? Oh, that. Right, look, you know, I, feel like, I feel like the past, the past two times we've tried, to introduce, we've tried to introduce the show, we've laughed at Jared and then you invited the laughter that time when we, fa- I feel like we found a mechanism to actually introduce ourselves properly. I like that you introduced me because it took the pressure off me, I think. Okay. We yeah. forgot about Mitch the plant though. There's also Mitch the plant in the yeah. corner. Say hi, Mitch. Hey. <laughs> No, we've <laughs> just just to preempt what happened just then, we have <laughs> at the cube we have this thing called the Roadcaster Pro, which is sitting in front of us, and it's this very fancy recording thing that we use to record. And there's about eight buttons on the side with all different lights and colors. Found out today that they actually have preloaded sounds in them, which we're very excited about. So today, if you hear some weird sounds, guys, please, I'm speaking. If you hear some weird. Matt's gone a bit crazy. He's gone crazy. If you hear some sounds in this one, don't be freaked out. <laughs> it's just us playing with them, well, and we'll keep it to this episode. <laughs> we, we promise not to get carried away too much with the sounds. Oh my gosh! Without further ado, welcome to One Six One. That's what's happening. We've lost it. No, that's good. I like it. Guys, happy new year. Yes. Happy new year. Um, Indeed. I've forgotten how this thing is meant to work, but we've, we've done two episodes, right? Yeah. And we always said uh, that we were going to try something new. We we're going to make a podcast. And, you know, we're not experts. We just wanted to invite people into the conversations that we have in the studio. And so we've done two episodes. We always said there were going to be pilot episodes. We want to thank everyone that's listening so far. It's been amazing. People share their thoughts. Hopefully you've laughed with us, cried with us. We've not had any tears yet. No, but if you've cried, I'd like to know why. <laughs> <laughs> Where in the podcast? Oh, this is crying cry. of laughter. Yeah, that's, yeah. that would thing. be a good thing. No, but we love that you guys are listening to the content and that you're sharing it. And hopefully, it's been helpful, somewhat inspiring. It means a lot to us. Like you don't have to listen to this, but here you are. Here you are. Okay, so we're a couple episodes in, two pilot episodes out the way. Yep, and it actually takes. A fair bit of effort to pull off a podcast, which we naively didn't realize when we thought, you know what, let's let's it's create a podcast. But yeah, I mean, even the audio is no simple thing. Uh, big thanks to Tim Steamson for putting the audio together for us. Yeah, timsteamson.com, check it out. He's a composer, he's sick. He's sick, and a great and lovely guy. Yes. Mm. And then, I mean, also the music. I mean, we just decided one day that we wanted to choose the most kind of, I don't know how to describe it. Obviously inspiration. Well, we decided we did kind of originally want like, so we watch anime. I don't. I, I said we. <laughs> no, you do. You do. You do. I Attack watch on Attack on Titan. Attack on Titan. Sword Art Online. Those are some things that I've watched. The gaming as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just we thought it would be because it's totally disconnected to anything we're doing. That there's somehow a law of attraction to it. We like it. We like anime and the music we find is super inspiring. So we thought, wow, imagine if like our podcast started with that level of intensity and meaning and depth and all that kind of stuff. So that was the inspiration behind it. And, you know, we did a few roundabouts on it, but then we just came across this track by Meganico. Meganico called Lights, Camera, Action. And it felt perfect. It's called literally Lights, Camera, Action. It's the most intense, abstract, crazy tune. Anyway, we love it. So big shout out there. Yeah, that's that's how we landed there, really. But then there's also the artwork, which is done by our very own Andy Cattulli in-house on the mic right now. What was the inspiration behind that? I think it was trying to pair it up with a song, really. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of that weird amalgamation of anime meets 8-bit graphics. And I think there's some 8-bit inspiration in the song yeah, when you yeah, listen, listen back to it. So, And I think it was kind of sort of a merging of a few other ideas as well, because I know that for a while that we've always wanted to explore this this concept of putting us into the 8-bit form. So yeah. it was a perfect opportunity to use that there. Um, so, yeah, and, and it's, it's a lot of fun. So I think hopefully as we release more podcast episodes, there'll be more 
animations and yeah. illustrations that will pair up with them. Yeah, yeah it's sick. sick. It's, it's, it's such a good job. <laughs> yes. Just to clarify, Jared pushed the button. Jared on, pushed no, the button that again. was the live audience that we have here. <laughs> Imagine if we do an episode of the live audience. Um, It'd be terrible. It would be. <laughs> also, the cube where we're recording, which is uh, spelt with a Q U B E. Um, this is a new space that's kind of popped up in West London. It's a sick spot. It's got loads of music studios. Uh, membership kind of thing. We have an office here, but they've got podcast studios, which we're taking advantage of. Really good team here. Um, yeah. We love it here, and we get to use this space. Nice. Nice. Well, we're on episode three, and it's the start of a new year, which feels like, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but it's probably the weirdest start to a new year I've ever experienced in my entire life. Things to think about. Physically, it's weird, I think, this whole isolation thing. What we've been through this past year, I mean, it's been no small feat that we're here still today. And I mean we as in, like, the global we, not just us four in the room. We've learned a lot, we've experienced a lot, we've been exposed to a lot of things. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because the 1st of January is meant to be this new thing. And I don't know who's making these decisions, but it, it doesn't particularly feel like a switch has gone on and we're now just stepping into a new time, space, phase, season, whatever word you want to ascribe to it. It feels like nothing much has changed since December 31st to now. The date's changed. I mean, the number changed. Yeah. And here we are. And I'm going to first two months forgetting to put the one, I'll put the zero 2020 <laughs> and having to make <laughs> Every the Every time you fill out a four. <laughs> and make the zero yeah. and make it look like a one. But it's mad that we're in 2021. It feels like it's, yeah, it's just, it's just crazy how we're here. It feels like when you speak about a time that's coming for so long and then you get there, you're like, oh, wow, we're here now. And, you know, there's been loads of stuff that I've seen on TV, YouTube, whatever, podcasts reflecting on the year that's gone back. But I think my question really is, where do we actually go from here? It's the start of a year. So there's various expectations on us. But where, where do we go? I don't even know what that question really means. Like, what are we expecting? Or Yeah, like, how do we progress? How do we move forward? Is it important to move forward? Do we just continue like nothing's changed? Like, it's still 2020 part two do we just you know close the book on last year and plan mm. ahead like things are going to change like what do we do mm. it's an interesting question because i feel like 2020 made us all realize that nothing is untouchable or invincible if you know what i'm saying like industries that have been around for a long time covid kind of taught us that your doors could be shut for a global pandemic and you couldn't see it coming you could run out of loot paper exactly and everyone's fighting over it but I think things like that make you realize, like, how far can we plan ahead? It's interesting, actually, because we were just watching Parasite again on the weekend, and the dad in it, I think he says something about not planning for anything, because you know, basically you won't be disappointed. But it's it's an interesting concept, because 2020 was such a weird year, and it kind of has, has it taught us that we shouldn't be expecting anything, you know, because what could happen tomorrow? I just think it's a very good question. What are we expecting this year? Not that I'm feeling hopeless, but mm. yeah. It's because nothing really has changed from December to January in that sense. Yeah. Mm. I think for myself, like, um, we, like, I've always got two things that I start the year with. And the first one is I go for a long walk with Jared and we just set our goals for the, for the year ahead. We literally do the same thing. Yes. You walk with me. Goal (laughs) setting. We end up just going for a walk for like an hour or two. And, um, we look at the goals from last year and then we plan for the year ahead of going, okay, what do we want to achieve this year? The funny thing is, is that like our goals for last year, half of them got made redundant. So we're like reading them out and we're like, nope, COVID, nope, COVID. It's like going on a big adventure somewhere like abroad. And then we're like, yeah, that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> so I found that I always find that quite interesting because it forces you to look ahead and go actually in this short term of one year, what is it that I want to achieve moving forward? And I think the other thing that I always do is like, which I mentioned in one of the other podcasts is um, I always set myself a question for the year. And one of our company values is curiosity. And I've been reading a book called A More Beautiful Question by William Berger. And that's, it talks about... I'm hungry now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, the name just gets you, it's appetizing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a good name. Yeah, he talks about how we need to start asking more questions and that we kind of live in a world where our schooling and education forces us to prioritise memorising answers 
versus over asking questions. Mm. So my question for myself this year is what questions am I asking? Mm. Because we can tend to go around and I definitely see with social media is that social media has this culture of forcing you to take a stance on something even before you fully understand it. And I think for us, what we've realized in our process as a company is that actually asking good questions gets us to understand something more deeply and a lot better, but also it helps broaden our understanding of different things, which then actually works towards our creativity because yeah. we have such an eclectic yeah. sense of knowledge and understanding because we've asked so many questions that then when we're doing different projects, we kind of pull all these questions that we've asked from other projects into everything that we're doing, which is fantastic. Mm. So for me, I always start this year and any time I move ahead or wanting to move forward is uh, what question am I going to put myself and what goals am I going to set mm. moving forward? So yeah, that's my question this year. What questions am I asking? Yeah, that's good. That's great. I mean, I obviously do the same thing because I go for a walk with you. <laughs> um, but I think it's helpful, especially for me. I think I've learned over the years to set realistic goals because sometimes you're like, by the end of this year, I'm going to be a millionaire. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> maybe, maybe I will. And I'm not trying to say I won't, but it's kind of like um, setting goals that you like look back on and you go, I did that and what can I do further? So I do think it's important to say, well, where do we go from here as a company mm. or as personally that you are asking yourself a little bit like, what am I expecting or what am I hoping for or mm. stuff like that? Definitely. I think, I think it's right what you said, Matt, because, you know, you can look back at, well, you know, what happens between the end of last year and the first day of this year. Well, nothing really. It's just time changes, doesn't it? And, mm. But I do think that marker in the calendar is helpful mm. in terms of psychology behind it because you're thinking, right, okay, maybe I can draw a line here and set, you know, my sights on something new and something yep. fresh. And so I guess it, it it brings in some optimism into the, the current reality mm. and, you know, no one resents the idea of hope. And so I think it's helpful to at least have something tangible that feels like we're moving forwards. Mm. So in many ways, I'm grateful that we do have a yearly calendar <laughs> because imagine if we didn't, it was just the year. Yeah. And so yeah. it's just like, this is the longest time ever. Yeah. Um, that so, would be terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think that's helpful to just at least have those tangible goals set in place. You know, one of the things I do as well as, as well as putting goals in place is somewhere I would like to be, whether that's emotionally or something I would experience or something that I can be grateful for as well. So it's not it's not necessarily something that is like on a checklist that I can tick off. But, you know, in six months' time, how do I want to feel about a certain thing? Or how do I want to experience life in a certain way? So it's not always task-orientated. So I try and do that because then that kind of gets my mind in the right place to start moving forward and planning. And But I think there is something true in, I think you've mentioned it, Jared, that in the sense that you can't plan too far ahead because you don't know what's around the corner. And I think that that's wise. It's, it's, it's acknowledging that we can put some good practices in place and good structures in place to kind of ensure that we're going in the right direction. But sometimes you do get a curveball. Mm. And so you just got to respond to it then and there. So it's that realism, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. No, I think it's helpful you guys actually, I think when you're even talking about hope, I'm very pragmatic. So, you know, I'm thinking like, where do I go from here? I'm like, should we still make strategies, business strategies for the next two quarters or should we hold everything quite loose or, you know, I'm thinking like goals and moving forward like Mm -hmm. on a practical level whereas it's just making me think, do I want to get to the end of the year and have those goals and it was just like, oh, I just crossed them off. Mm -hmm. Like what you were saying, Steph, like how would I actually feel about that process that I didn't achieve those whatever targets or I couldn't even do some of those things and I think it's the reality of us realising how little control we have Mm -hmm. I think is what we've all seen but I think the stuff that seemed to have a real weighty currency is like the notions about hope, right? Which is a whole thing about even us like lifting up like the NHS during this time is like actually those institutions that represent something more than just targets. It's like mm. well-being and hope and health and happiness. Like that's the stuff that's really being celebrated and the stuff that's been questioned are the people that are saying they're about something, but really it's about the money or strategy or mm. fame or whatever which we've seen all those stories come out over this past year, people being called out on their politics, on their stance, on their business ethics. So I think it's really helpful hearing you, Andy, 
when you're talking about hope. It might be helpful to just say, you know, when we say hope, I guess what we're trying to say is where you put your confidence. It's not just kind of this ethereal thing, like kind of a blind faith, you know. This will eventually fix everything, but it's more like, in a very literal terms, can I put my confidence in this thing? Like, will this actually deliver what I'm hoping to have, you know, what my expectations are? Which is interesting because I think that in line with what we talk about a lot, which is purpose, it makes sense, right? Because I think once you have a deep understanding of your purpose, it's easy to be able to place your confidence in the things that you're doing and the reason behind why you're doing those things. So I don't know if you guys have seen it, but over the Christmas holidays, I watched the new Disney Pixar film, Hope, uh, Soul. Soul, mm. yes. Hope, which I think is... No spoilers. I'm, I'm going to stand by this statement. I think it's the best Disney Pixar film that's been made. Ooh, Whoa. So I'm going to make... a big statement. I know. And I... I oh, there's, no <laughs> there's, there's no ooh button on there. No, that's not ooh. That one's off. That one's yeah. off. You know, everyone's going to be like, wait, what about? Like, I know yeah, that's going to happen. I easily yeah, did that. Yeah, I'm like, what about? I get it. Like, I know Toy Story 2, definitely, in terms of storytelling, probably one of the best. Moana, I get it. No, like, it's Disney. I get oh, yeah, it. Is, it is <laughs> but I think it is the best Disney Pixar film that's been made. And I think it's because I like the fact that they're pursuing things around the human condition and its place within existence. I just think it's really inspiring actually being able to like, even as a child, think about that or be challenged on that or open up your understanding on that, which, you know, I was watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Transformers and Thundercats when I was a kid, which was Mm. just violence, Mm. beating the bad guy who was an alien or whatever. I mean, also, let me do a flip on this as well, because I think maybe the reason I'm even saying that it is the best is because what I watched before that is probably the worst thing, if not one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life, which is based on your recommendation from the previous (laughs) podcast, which is watching Startup, the Korean drama. No, don't (laughs) applaud it. Which you guys recommended to me, which for me, the only way I can describe it is it's like, it's it's like Neighbours slash EastEnders meets made in chelsea meets a, like a musical That's but no mu- it's like and and there's i no think singing. like i think like <laughs> this i t- i told you guys earlier, i actually i actually quite I like, like neighbors and each other oh no i'm just disrespecting everyone on the podcast yeah you're making a lot of i, I like enemies. watched there was seven minutes of dialogue and a story and then like music mm. just came like a soundtrack which lasted for two minutes then there was five minutes of talking and then five more minutes of music while people were just like kind of slow motion walking and looking at each other yeah. and looking at each other. Yeah. And you guys were like, the thing that cracked me up, right? Which is like, either I'm watching the wrong program or <laughs> I'm, in, I'm insane here. Because like, the thing that all that was going around in my head was, <laughs> was you saying how good the acting was. It's so and that, good. That you were like saying like, they can how cry anyone on, can cry on, on cue. Yeah. And I was like, wait, the fact that I even took that as merit for anything <laughs> and I'm searching for that in this episode means I'm an idiot. Someone being able to cry on cue isn't good acting. It's a party trick. It's an ability. I'm being this is me being hypercritical, Matt, right now. But anyway, I watched it and I was like, this is the deadest show I've probably ever seen. I just it was I couldn't get it, guys. It's fine, we can agree to disagree. And I know because I've recommended stuff to you and you're like, Matt, that was terrible. Yeah, you usually recommend something that's going to force me to really think about everything <laughs> in the world. <laughs> like, your recommendations... That sounds like Matt. Yeah, yeah like, Matt, I watched Matt, Tenet and I was yeah, like, yeah, okay, yeah. I can think about this. Like, like um, Even when you came in this morning, you were saying that you watched The Mandalorian and then you had to go and watch every Star yeah, Wars yeah. possible thing. <laughs> exactly, and you're like, there's 80 books and things like that. Like, your kind of enjoyment is like... The detail. The, yeah, it's absolute epic. detail and like this crazy stuff. Whereas this whole show is around, will she get with one of two guys? Who's yeah, both, who both but they're starting de- a business as well. Both of their decisions throughout the whole thing. You haven't seen it, was, you don't know. Well, <laughs> well, Joey finished it. So I've been doing other bits in the background. You know, I've been doing some stuff online, blah, blah, blah. And so there's bits where like, I would just say this happened in it. And she'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, I could have told you what the show is going to be. Soul as a film, I thought there were so many layers to that film. And again, I think it's interesting because it has those two things we're talking about in terms of hope and purpose, right? In that it's surrounding a character who believes his purpose is a thing. 
And when he arrives at that, and he places all his hope in that, and his dissatisfaction with life is that, you know, his hope is that he gets this place, but his reality is different from that. Yeah. And then he arrives in that moment and realizes, oh, my hope was ill-invested. Actually, I've been fulfilled in these other things. And this is actually what I'm here to do. This is what my purpose is, which almost in a beautiful way, he kind of lays down his opportunity so someone else can live out their purpose, which then in turn fulfills him and grants him another chance. Like at the end. So it's this whole, this whole thing. And I think, there's so many nuances and things to it that are really inspiring. I think, you know, the first black lead character in Disney Pixar animation Jamie film is, is so good. huge. The acting is incredible. The fact that like, um, this is John Baptiste, um, the composer, the jazz musician as well. It's the first time they worked in collaboration with a musician that throughout that process, rather than just bringing in a John Williams at the end mm. or whatever to compose. And so that partnership was beautiful. And the fact that, you know, he was able to bring his voice into it and this whole scenes that are constructed which happened because the director sat down with him and asked him. So that scene at the start, without giving too much away, where he's in the classroom and he's playing the keys, Mm. the director asked him, if you were going to do this scene, what would it be like? And he just did that off the cuff. So that scene's almost word for word, him improvising and talking about how he was inspired by jazz music. That's cool. And so there's so many things. And if you haven't seen it, it's on Disney Plus at the moment. And there's loads of other like little five to 10 minute shorts that they've done of like behind the scenes i definitely recommend watching it that's great but i think that whole thing about hope and purpose and the fact that we're even questioning those things in this year is huge and i wonder if it's going to have a bigger impact on our creativity that we won't even know about until we look back at this generation and what Mm -hmm. they've been through which is bigger than just calling out injustice i think calling out injustice is huge but i think actually addressing why do these injustices exist there's something about our human condition which allows these things to go on longer Mm -hmm. than they should And I think actually by reframing some of our social human narratives about what is the rightful thing to do, what is our purpose, hopefully Mm. will dispel or at least reduce some of the crazy stuff that's been spearheaded by Mm. crazy individuals over the past few decades. That is really interesting. And I think because we base our company about seeing purpose realise, does this film add to that or subtract to that mission, so to say? If purpose is not a thing, are we needing to focus more about like the day-to-day life as opposed to just chasing something and I almost wonder whether it's like you know it's that question of going okay if you're climbing a mountain to get somewhere are you focused on getting your flag at the top of the mountain or are you enjoying the experience along the way and is purpose defined or through the experience or through the end result and I yeah. think that's kind of like the question that we kind of sit with is like yeah. are we just focusing on that end product or actually we are we enjoying the process of getting there and the day-to-day stuff, like yeah. the when things are tough or when things are easy or when things are mundane? Is that adding to our purpose yeah. as opposed to just the end result of going, I want to do this? But I think that question of enjoyment and satisfaction, because I was thinking that like you hear some people when they talk about starting something like a business and they're doing it for like five, ten years. And sometimes you listen to it, it's like, that sounds so depressing. The way they're like, I'm up at four and I'm in bed by 2 a.m. and then I'm back up at four and, you know, 30 years down the line, they've got no friends and family. You know what I mean? But they've got millions of dollars. And you're like, was that where you wanted to arrive? Was that the end point? And I was talking to Steph about this idea of like the end goal. And we talk about purpose and I think this movie was an interesting look at purpose, but I don't think it is an arriving there because I think for me, if this business wasn't fun in a sense of even though it's hard, I still want to do it. I just don't think I'd want to do it. I just don't think I'm the kind of person to want to put myself through the ups and downs of running a business if I wasn't enjoying it and it Mm. wasn't something I believed in. So even industry specific, like I don't think I could just tomorrow be like, right, I'm done with 161. I'm going to start this business in microphones. I'd be like, I don't know anything about it. I don't really care. So I think the soul was an interesting look at like the everyday, like, am I waking up today happy about things? Have you guys had any conversations with like friends outside of this like little bubble here who are thinking about what to do in 2021? I've had a few chats with like some friends. I think they kind of all sort of follow the same narrative, which is I'm not really sure what's going to happen. Some people are a bit more, not pessimistic, but kind of a little bit more anxious. Others a bit more optimistic. I think naturally I fall on the optimistic end of the spectrum, so... I'm always thinking ahead, like planning and trying to think, okay, what's what's the the most positive thing I can get out of this? 
So I've had those conversations with people and it's really helpful actually just to see the reality of the impact it's had on people's lives. Some people feeling not just isolated, but almost frozen, like unable to move, paralyzed in some way because of the uncertainty of even the simplest of things like, can I actually go out the house today? Or is there going to be another wave of coronavirus, you know, spiking? Or how am I going to afford the next bill? Or, you know, will I have enough money in the bank? And so I think it's been helpful just hearing how people have experienced it and, you know, realizing that I mustn't assume that everyone else is in the same boat because mm. even in a more negative sense, you have varying levels of that. So people are having it much harder than others who are having it hard as well. And some people are actually cruising through okay. And it's just been great to see how those who've had more privileged positions have actually actively tried to help out others who mm. are finding it a bit tough. And those who are in tougher positions sometimes are encouraging those who have it all but are kind of a little bit lost. So it's not always plain sailing for everyone, but like we all go through our peaks and our lows. Mm. And if there's anything that I've been encouraged by is just the general sense of community amongst my friends and peers. They've all been looking out for each other. And so if at any moment you felt lonely or struggling, there was always someone there to encourage you and lift you up and keep your eyes forward and your head up. Yeah. And when you spoke about, I know you just used that word community, like is that quite a practical thing or is it more the feeling of closeness? Like how have you navigated community in isolation this is great actually it's a really good question so for half of last year my wife was adamant that she wanted to watch friends again and when we watch friends we usually just go through the whole thing so like, mm. there's no bits and i was like can we just have a break <laughs> <laughs> and we'll start in the new year and okay. it's funny because every time i watch friends for the first time the number one thing that sticks out to me in terms of like their friendship like what makes their friendship is that they actively spend time together. So like outside of everything else that happens in the life of the character, I know the, I know it's fictional, but there's something wonderful about the fact that some of the characters live across the hall. And even as life progresses and they get into relationships and they have commitments, they always seem to make time for each other. And this is something that's always just come back to me every time I've watched that. And I think I've been blessed to be able to see some of that picture come to life in my own life with other people. So community for me is not just about saying, oh, I know that person and we've shared a few experiences with them, but it's actively being in each other's lives. So, you know, making sure that we keep in touch in a very deliberate way. So checking up on people, how are people feeling? How are they doing? Going the extra mile to make that person feel appreciated or loved or accepted. And so I think in this time, there's been a lot more Zoom calls and calls and chats and social distance walks. But I realized that the natural reaction would have been to just stay indoors and distance myself from everyone and remove myself from that community. But actually, I think for me and a few others, we've been more proactive in our friendships. And so I think, you know, it's been really beautiful to see that picture of seeing in friends where even though we might not be in the same room, it still feels like we've got those connections with each mm. other because we've been deliberate in saying, okay, it's really important that we talk today. Yeah. It's really important to do this or to catch up and blah, blah, blah. So to give an example, one of my close friends, James, we spoke every day for 15 minutes and sometimes it would bleed into half an hour or an hour. And we talked every morning and that was before work. And, you know, a lot of people would be like, that's impossible. You can't do that. Maybe in the COVID situation, it might be a little bit easier. But for us, it was less of, can we find time for each other? And it was more, can we share our time with each other? So rather than trying to fit someone into my calendar, I was going, what part of my calendar could I just share with someone so that we actually get that community and we get that friendship? So I think me and James have grown much, much closer than what we were a year ago. But also I've noticed how valuable it is, even just 15 minutes on the phone. It's just like, mm. how was your day yesterday? What are you up to today? Like, you know, what are you what are you hoping to do on the weekend? Blah, blah, blah. Just those little interactions actually really helped. I think that makes me think about another conversation we've had in the office as well about active engagement versus passive engagement and that we are actually quite genuine and intentional with our curiosity with one another in order for us to feel like we're engaged in each other's lives and the work that we do. I know we always joke about Jared always looking at him and then sometimes I think Matt, Andy and I tend to just wait for Jared to tell us what to do instead of engaging in knowing what's part of the meeting or the agenda and things like that. But that intentionality is quite important for us to be quite active in connecting meaningfully, which is quite interesting. I think that raises the question off the back of that is that those people who don't have that type of support network, yeah. how do they move forward when the world or the future is quite ambiguous? How does someone who doesn't have that type of support network move forward without having other people as part of their support? Yes, 
That's an interesting question because I feel like if you didn't have that community before COVID, I cannot imagine myself gearing up to jump on Zoom to meet someone for the first time. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I find that really difficult. I wouldn't say I have the full answer to that, but maybe something in part to it, which is there's a responsibility on us who are part of the community to look out for those who are on the margins. And just to be like, at one point I was on the margins and then all of a sudden I got swept into something and I know loads of people and I feel secure and safe and yeah. there's a sense of family. So there should always be this kind of lighthouse mentality of like, should we just look out and see if there's anyone? We should be aware of those who might be feeling like they're mm. on the edges. And I think the second thing for me as well is that for those who are in that position, you will eventually have to step out. You will have to jump off the the plank in the swimming pool or whatever the analogy is. You you will eventually have to step out, but that journey will be a little bit messy, but it'll be exciting. And you will find that you will build those particular friendships. And you might not click with certain people, but I would say personally, some of the friends that are in my life who I really trust, when I first met them, I did not click with them at all. And actually, I found them really grating and annoying. And it was actually as I got to know them that I appreciated the nuances, you know, the things that are not present in my life. And like, oh, actually, that's really attractive. Like, yeah. I really appreciate that about you. And mm. you have a lot of value there and something to offer. And so I think it requires that that person also steps out and goes, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I'm going to make this choice now. I might not know loads of people, but I'm going to try. And then hopefully what's happening is that on the other side, someone's going, oh, that person probably needs a little bit more yeah. support. So I'm going to reach out and hopefully you meet. That's good. And I think, I think because there's a tendency, isn't there, when you're creative is you're looking for collaboration more than friendship or even yeah. community. You know, and there's loads of sites at the moment, like things like Daisy or the Dots, where you can find people to like collaborate with. Mm. Like you can find those people who are either in the same stage career wise or those you aspire to be like and, you know, put out a project and say, hey, I want to do this thing. But what we're talking about is the connection thing is community. I like what you said about what portion of life can you actually share with an individual? I think that's a really inspiring, helpful perspective to have on where we're all currently sat in this space of isolation right now. Another question is, um, do you think it's important for us to reach out and get to know people, connect with others that are quite different from us and outside of our industry, for example? Is that something that we should be pursuing? That's a good question. I feel like definitely. If I think about just purely business and practically, I wouldn't want advisors that think exactly the same way I do. I don't want advisors that are like, you know, okay, fine, they're they're creative directors at the top of their field and they're 10 years ahead of us and they're in their own industry. I think that's a good thing, definitely, and they could give you quick snappy answers. But I want someone that thinks differently that's going to challenge my way of thinking. We've got two advisors, but one of them is going to come a little bit more hands-on for our business. She's just like business guru. Like she just... She's like Yoda in the Oh, she's amazing. (laughs) When she first came on to advise us, really interesting stuff that you raise this point of like someone outside the industry. She really challenged, should we still be doing business or not? And that was one of her first questions because she was looking at the spreadsheets and we had these grand dreams and ambitions. And I think if you were in our industry, you probably would have gotten it. You probably would have been like, oh yeah, cool. Because I understand the industry. I understand exactly what you're talking about. And I can see this. Obviously, it's good to have someone that gets all that. But she wasn't in the industry so much in our industry. So when she looked at the actual financial figures and the the cute little Excel spreadsheets that I had made with no like idea what I was doing, they had great colors. But in terms of actually the data on that, she just reads it and very quickly she was like, should you guys be doing this or not? Maybe it's time to push pause. Because she was asking like, look, it doesn't look great. What I'm seeing, if you guys want to survive as a business... We need to do a lot of work. But actually, I'm super grateful for that. She really challenged us. We ended up spending about three or four months just working again on the business structure and the plan where we didn't really land a client, which was really tough, actually. Mm-hmm. I think it was when I really knew that I had, to, I had to grow up a lot. But because of it, I think despite COVID, we still had quite a good year. And this year, hopefully, when we're talking about looking ahead and where next, um, with a bit more hands-on help from her to take us to the next level. But if we didn't have someone that was outside of our group who really got the kind of ethereal stuff, we talk about purpose and all Mm. this kind of stuff, which she gets, but she's more like, okay, show me the story on an Excel spreadsheet for the next five years. Mm. Like, how do you actually show that on the numbers? Because that's where she reads it. So I think, yes, absolutely. We need different insights, Um, but I'm talking more maybe from a business perspective. I think that's good. I think the other thing you think about to marry with business is character. And I think 
you know, character has a lot to do with it. I think the reason people do business together is because of synergies in character, maybe, and also, you know, vision. Mm. Right? Is does your vision or does your mission align with mine? But I think one of ours that we talk about is empathy, and I think you have to really question your capacity to have empathy if you're not engaging with people that are different from you, who are going to challenge you, who you don't understand. And so I think on a friendship level, it's it's probably important in order to increase your awareness, your empathy, your understanding, your compassion as well, which. I would say is a, a much more fulfilling connection to have on a personal level with someone when you're able to share and exchange those things for each other in the ways that I guess Andy you're even talking about within community. I think you almost have to have people that are, that are different from you and you can decide you know how in terms of proximity how close you do get to those people but I think it's important. I think yeah. it's important to have those voices speak into things that you're passionate about that you're questioning to gain a perspective, to potentially fall in love with those things as well and be, you know, more grateful that you have that exposure to things in yeah, the world absolutely. that are inspiring, motivating. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with the notion that you should not just surround yourself with people who just look like you because all you get is a mirror reflection and, you know, great little sort of parable teaching. If you love those who only love you back, then what good is it? And it's, to be honest, it's a little bit arrogant, isn't it? If you if you only hang out with people who look like you, who <laughs> dress like you, who sound like you, because what all you all you're suggesting is that you are the mold, and there's no one else. There's room for cliques and close knit communities in the appropriate places, but if your whole life is just default, and the people around you are default, then there's questions to be asked about, you know, yeah. where do you find value? You know, how do you appreciate other people? Because for me, community is diversity. It's people from different groups and traditions and upbringings and life. And I think that should come into business. That should come into every walk of life. Uh, you want diversity. Mm. And, and that's something that's at the heart of our business as well. Also is that it is our aim to make sure that the people that work here represent the people that we're reaching out to. There, There is no kind of divide there's no elitism in our studio and unfortunately i have to say that you know a lot of the design world is elitist mm. it's about finding the best of dot 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 who has probably had a more privileged upbringing and therefore can be the elite and unfortunately for a lot of creative studios they don't look for the oddball you know what i like to think of us is like the guardians of the galaxy you know the the misfits the ones who've been rejected yet we all bring something so much more valuable when we work together. So, yeah, I guess that's my dream to see the design world, the design industry, the photography world, the film world, whatever it is, just mm. to be impacted by a diverse expression. That's yeah. why I'm trying to get Matt into K-dramas, just give him diversity <laughs> in his in his, in his watching list. I think, Andy, you raise a really good point. And I find that quite interesting that within certain industries, they look for the experts. But really, actually, the most important people that we need to have around us are the novices because they are the ones that question everything. Mm. The experts are so embedded into process mm. that we almost need people to come in and question how things are done in order to create something new and something fresh. Yeah. And I think Jared, to a lot of his credit, leads us to some of the best ideas that we manage to evolve because he will throw in these wild cards out of nowhere that have nothing to do with what we're talking about. But for some <laughs> Give reason... Us Give us one now. Give us one now. Uh, Cheese slippers. Shoe oh, replacing your fingers with keys. <laughs> I mean, that would be really good if you are a girl and want to go running at night. Having keys as fingers is good. Like wow, it's like Wolverine. Step yeah. sword, step, step sword is a weapon. I saw it as like easily accessing there you doors. Go. <laughs> Jared can open five doors at once. Yeah. I mean, I think that's like, it is something that's really important. I think even for us, before Andy came along, he brought in a lot of the industry experience from the design worlds, but us three who have never worked really in design studios to the extent that Andy has, we were like, wouldn't this be great as part of our process? Yeah. And we're like so pro Simon Sinek. And for some reason it has become embedded into our business model. And I think that's to some degree has worked for us because yeah. we haven't gone the traditional way of how agencies are set up, mm. kind of almost like worked backwards or just kind of threw in a few ingredients. And it for some reason has really worked for us. And then Andy came in and polished it up. And I do find it really exciting that when we bring people in, even one of our new hires, awesome guy, he's a content creator and he's amazing. He 
also questions a lot of things that to us is very like, oh, this is how you do it. But he'll ask us, but why? And I love that because it actually forces us to question why we do things the way we do. Has it become just a habit or is there a new way that we could go about doing things within our business? And I think the danger of our algorithms and throwing into the landscape of the digital space is that does our algorithms become the reflections of ourselves and does it actually help benefit and feed our creativity or our diversity in our communities if our algorithms just try and find the things that we like and doesn't actually challenge us with other things absolutely i know that you know as we've been talking about recruitment for instance so as we want to expand the team it's my role to find junior designers or middleweight designers one of the phrases i always use is fresh meat And we're purposefully looking for someone who has that edge, who can offer something new to the table. And what we're actively looking for is someone who can teach us something new. So we don't want to just hire the next blank, fill the space person. But actually what we're looking for is something new, something different, something that will diversify us, something that will add a tool to the belt. So a lot of traditional structures is that you're built like a pyramid. So you've got your kind of more experienced, more aged, more wiser directors at the top, and then you've got everyone else at the bottom. But what we understand is that our business model is an upside down pyramid, which is that we serve at the bottom and we lift up everyone who is new mm-hmm. and we enable them because we realize that they are the most valuable asset to our business. Anyone who can bring in new ideas and fresh ideas and some of that diversity will actually help us to grow and develop and yeah. become stronger. Mm-hmm. Whereas if we always see ourselves as the ones who come up with the ideas and instigate them, then we will slowly make our business stale it's such a shame when you see businesses get to a point and they feel like man what's going wrong maybe we need a rebrand or a refresh and it's kind of changing that mentality mm. to say well actually it's probably more to do with the culture it's more about saying who are we identifying as the most valuable asset to this company well it's probably not us yeah. it's not the directors it's mm. everyone new who walks through those doors who's bringing something fresh to yeah. the team and so we want to kind of put the emphasis mm. there definitely mm. it's a good point because i think you matt you've written a blog post about this about proximity and who's at the table right yeah yeah, yeah. can you just quickly explain that idea what you're talking about yeah it's uh, it's on linkedin should anyone want to go read about it on 161 linkedin profile i think i was just becoming a bit frustrated with a lot of business response to things around black lives matter and it was all just talking about inclusion and having like an inclusion quota which is basically just like hire more black and brown people and I didn't really feel like that was enough or really addressing some of the underlying issues. Heretical structures. Yeah, just poor structures and an unwillingness to learn, to actually stop and learn. And um, I think it didn't really address how these structures come into play and how they're sustained. So my simple post is really around what I'm not seeing is anyone speaking around proximity and what that actually looks like, which isn't just even inclusion at the decision-making tier. So, you know, oh, let's just get a black director in or a black this person in or head of diversity diversity who happens to also be a black person or God forbid you hire a head of diversity who is not a person of color hiring people of color it was just strange it was all strange and so my thing was just a simple thought around what does it actually look like to surrender any fear you have or what feels comfortable and actually make friends with people that don't look like you exactly what we're talking about right now have those voices that are the other that you probably might even get offended by yeah just because you actually haven't stopped to listen and be like what is motivating you to be this upset or angry about this issue let me try and understand this because if it's upsetting for you there's got to be some reason in it whether it's right or wrong Mm. so my just thing was around proximity was like do you actually eat with people that don't look like you Mm. and even in a business sense like on your lunch break who you go and sit with Mm. or do you know just simple things and so my thing was around proximity are you at the table with people that look like other and are those voices welcomed and given the same authority and weight and decision making Mm. power as the voices that aren't no i like that Um, because i was thinking when you said that I think now whenever I see a slogan or something like that, it's interesting because you can ask yourself the question, who was at the table who made that idea? And when you think mm. about when you sometimes you can tell yeah. who was at a table. So when you see something on TV or you see, you know, an, a slogan or an ad, you can very quickly pick up who was sitting there, who made the decision. A good case study that we used, I think, last year was the Pepsi ad with Kendall Jenner in that mm. um, and how Pepsi had created an in-house agency 
And the question was, who was not there to vet this commercial mm. to go out where everyone was saying, oh, this is such a great idea, this is such a great idea, when it just flopped internationally because it didn't have the right sensitivity or terminology, terminology yeah. of politically correctness. Yeah. And I think, Jared, you're right in saying who is at that table and that proximity is that if we are a homogenous group of people in one space – who is there to vet and bring that sense of empathy of how it will be received by others that don't look like the people in the room? Seems like we spoke about a whole bunch of things spearheaded by this thought of where do we go from here? But if anyone listening, hopefully someone's listening, if anyone listening through the madness of us using cue sounds and goodness yeah. knows what else, if you've, if you've got thoughts, hopefully even better thoughts than whatever we've been talking about, um, feel free to share it. I don't know how you even do that. Write comments, send us an email, like do you put it in, Instagram review account. it, DM us, like get in touch with us somehow because we'd love to. First um, person to write us a letter gets a treat. Yeah, f- no, fair. If you can find our address and send us an actual letter, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, you get some. No, I'm, I'm, I'm the fully about that. <laughs> yeah, that's it. If you listen to this, write us a letter with your thoughts. Uh, or good questions. Or good questions. Yeah, because we'd love to like riff off of it and hopefully it will challenge and inspire us as well. So mm. feel free to do that. We're going to end this section of the podcast, though, the way that we usually do, which is what's on our radar. If there's stuff that you found inspiring or that you want to give a shout out to. So yeah, my thing this week is that a podcast called The Passenger List is coming back season two, which I'm very excited about because season one was incredible. I told Jared to listen to it. I know that he didn't. I have a list of things you tell me to do. I told Jared to purposely write down and the title of this is things I won't look at. (laughs) Basically, The Passenger List is a podcast kind of thrillery thing, which is not what I listen to usually. I usually just listen to people talk about stuff. But this is really interesting and I just really like it. It's really cool. It's about a plane that goes missing and a person's relative is on it and it's all about the conspiracy around it. Ooh. Um, so it's really, really cool. Oh, now you're excited. That sounds really good. I might move that to the uh, things I will look at. I literally told Jared about it like two years ago or something and he know he hasn't listened to it. But anyway, it's, um, it's sick. It's got Kelly Marie Tran who is the voice of the main protagonist and she is um, in Star Wars um, as Rose Tico, which is the first lead Southeast Asian actor in Star Wars. But she's also the voice of Raya in The Last Dragon, which is a new Disney film as well, which is also the first of that same ilk. So yeah, and that's coming back. It's going to be any week now, the first episode. So I'm very excited about that. I'll do a quick one, actually. A friend of mine, Tom, he pointed out something to me on some packaging this week. Uh, yesterday in fact which i thought was incredible so i won't tell you what it is i'll give you an indication of it so you guys can have a little search yourself so if anyone owns a lyle and sons tin in their cupboard it's the golden syrup you know the classic green tin with the gold kind of details go and look at the lion on the front of the tin and there's like a little inscription or something below it and go and research that because it was really cool and my friend tom was saying how it's a good kind of analogy for the year ahead Mm, interesting I think we've got a bottle not a can yeah it probably should be on there as well okay it's really surprising when you see it nice definitely got a tin lurking at the back there with some (laughs) crusty marmite exactly (laughs) (laughs) it's so true somewhere back there I mean golden syrup versus maple syrup they're like there's no comparison well except for the price wait which one would you go for I'm confused wait maple syrup is the the one you put on sweet but golden syrup if you're making uh, sticky barbecue ribs, stick that bad boy Ooh. in there. Game changer. Mm. Matt knows mm. about his ribs. You're playing games with your ribs. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know there was a game, so I can't change it. Steph? Um, for me, as you guys all probably have figured it out, I'm a massive... A book? advocate for reading and goodreads.com and you can get an app on your phone you can set up an account and um, set a reading list challenge Mm. so basically it's like you know however many books you want to challenge yourself for reading and then you can tick them off as you go but the best thing about that is that when you're having a conversation and going oh I'm just reading a really great book oh what's it called again you can actually have a look in the list of the book that you've just finished or currently reading yeah, 
I just am advocating to set yourself a reading list, whether it be five books, 10 books, 50 books, however many you want. But yeah, I set my new challenge this year, which is 60 books. So we'll see how we go. I got to 54 last year. So we'll see if we can do a little bit more. Do you ever do reviews of them? I think only two books out of all the ones that I read that really deserved a review. Okay, cool. Mm. I usually give stars. But these two books, I actually went out of my way and Sick. wrote a little review. Nice. I just added the Biff and Chip collection. <laughs> what? <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> Let's move on. What? I'm, so, I'm confused. so confused. It's a British thing. Biff, Chip and Kipper. <laughs> yeah, remember this? Kipper the Kipper dog. The dog. <laughs> oh, oh, is it a gosh. book? It's like an early learn, early, early years <laughs> book staple. Oh, I, I, no I black people. Was, I thought it was like a fish oh, and no, chips thing. No black like characters in that bad boy. Do you know, it we did sound like dip. a food, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know, but we bought uh, books for my son for Christmas this year. Obviously, he can't read them yet. But they're all like classics and all of them are just white families. Or caterpillars and okay, like animals, elephants. Like a talking tiger. Like the only yeah. diversity in those books. Maybe you can write one. Well, we had a conversation, but... Yeah, probably, we did actually. Yeah. It's probably a bit long for this. We'll do it in the next one, next episode. Yeah, we'll do it in the next one. Okay. For me, I mean, I'm racking my brain because I'm just like, there's a few things I've been like on my radar. So I think I'm going <laughs> to... Thanks, <laughs> guys. <laughs> one, two, <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> Thanks, guys, for, for listening. <laughs> I think uh, in terms of... I'm um, sorry, let me wipe most tears away. Um, <laughs> Watching too many Korean dramas. <laughs> yeah, I can cry on cue. I'm going to go with last night we watched Train to Busan. So we're kind of trying to attempt more Korean movies now. And it's like basically a zombie apocalypse type movie. And it's just mad. And it's so it's really, really good. And I don't usually like zombie ones, but that was on my radar. And so if you like movies... Stop looking at me. You're looking... <laughs> I'm, I'm nervous to, now. You're trying to make it like... I wouldn't like it. Are you, wow. you, I love how you're like, if you like movies, like I'd be a, I'd be a problem if I didn't like this thing These that you're guys, recommending. Yeah. I think can, Matt actually might like this one. I think he will. Because it's got zombies in. It reminds me of a film I watched on a plane back from New York. Snakes on it? <laughs> <laughs> where, I think it's a Japanese film where basically libraries have become like war zones. So like they're fighting over knowledge. So like the government oh, like mm, that's burns, interesting. burns all the books so that... Each library has its own sort of army that protects the library. And then and then the government are trying to destroy the libraries and the books so oh, that wow. people's knowledge is limited. That's actually That's it's an interesting really concept. Good. That is an interesting concept. Mm. But can they cry on cue though? <laughs> so anyway, that's that's on my radar. I love that your reviews of films are just gonna be like, Yeah, it was amazing, blah blah blah. No tears, four out of ten. <laughs> I mean the Probably. girl in this film. Also cries very, oh, very well on cue. So, but this it is, is like, weirdest. it was a very good zombie film. Yeah, it was like crazy. Really, really well done. Nice. You're screaming at the telly half the time. I wasn't. I was. Yeah. Steph has this thing where halfway through a film, she screams at the television. <laughs> <laughs> oh my that's terrifying. Sweet. Um, sweet. I think that's it. Guys, thanks for listening. See you next time. The 161 podcast was recorded at The Cube. Edited by Tim Steenson. Music by Megan Eco. And you can find us online at 161.co and follow us on Instagram at underscore 161. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.